Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? And it's welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. I am very privileged to have with me today the beautiful Sherry from Germany. And I'm most excited to be talking to someone so very, very beautiful. If you could see her now, listeners, she's got the most beautiful smile on her face. She's young, she's vivacious, <laughs> and she's on the other side of the world. And that's only the beginning of her story. And I hope you're as excited to hear her story as I am to be chatting to her. Uh, Sherry, welcome aboard. Thank you so much. And thank you for that opening. Mom, two small children, like someone thinks I'm beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Sherry has one of the most exciting lives. And now I've had a pretty restless week at school. And then I got on tonight and I was looking at Sherry's uh, biography. And she just happens to have ridden a motorbike to some of the most exotic places. And I'm going to get her to tell me about that right now. But before I do, when Sherry tells you about this adventure, and I believe this um, latest adventure, um, one of her books was released in 2016, so it's very recent, but there are other motorbike books as well. She set off on her first adventure on one of these big, long overland motorbike trips, and she'd had her motorbike license for a week. So that will give you some idea of what this lady's like. Uh, the other thing that may give you some idea about what this lady's like is um, when I was reading her biography, we have to close our ears if she says naughty words occasionally because she gets so enthusiastic <laughs> and carried away. But we don't care because we're all adults and we just listen on in awe. Go for it, Sherry. Tell us all about you. Okay, I'm so glad you actually did that little disclaimer because <laughs> sometimes when my little small children, I'm like, Shh, don't say that. Just because mommy says it doesn't mean you can say it. <laughs> but, yeah, so in fairness, that book that actually just came out, the um, the Turkey book, Riding a Bike to Turkey and Back. Um, That was the last book I published, but it was actually the first trip I did. So I kind of jumped around with the writing and whatnot. But to be fair, I had been on a motorcycle um, for two, oh my God, I was almost two years before I met Patrick in Korea and I was teaching English and he was on a world trip. And this is before I'd actually heard about this whole Obi-Wan Kenobi doing his world trip and whatnot for the long way round. And he said he'd started in Germany, he'd gone through Russia, Mongolia on the motorcycle. And I just thought, Oh, that's amazing. I would love to do something like that. And then he said, will not you come with me? So I told my mother, I was going to visit a friend in Argentina and I went with him And we did six months through South America, and then I was hooked. So even though it was only one week before I jumped on the bike myself, I'd actually done six weeks on the back through South America. So it wasn't quite the challenge I thought it was going to be. It was more of the, Sherry, you don't actually know how to ride. (laughs) But that's okay. (laughs) You're on back. It's the same thing, isn't it? (laughs) I'm not sure uh, that 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 would actually stop you not knowing how to do something, having had a bit of a fossick around I'm pretty sure that you're open up to pretty much anything and later on in the podcast we're going to move on to Sherry's new adventure and this is what attracted me to her in the first place Sherry's going to go and live the lifestyle that I have already lived and had to give up 
and she's going to go sailing off into the wild blue yonder on her very own yacht with a very own handsome hero. The difference between Sherry and I is she's taking children as well. Um, so I wish and a dog. And a dog. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, so I wish her all the best with that. But uh, Sherry's book was actually called Keep the Sunny... Sh- no. Gross. Shiny side. Let me have another go. Keep the shiny side up, a motorcycle adventure from Germany to Turkey and back. And the blurb goes, a summer of adventure riding from Germany to Turkey via Romania and Bulgaria and back via Greece and the Balkans. Sherry, that's some kind of trip. You know, it was amazing. And it was for three months we did it. And um, as we as we left, the, the point was, again, if you don't do it, if you don't set a date, it's never going to happen. And that's one thing I find that even with writing, if you don't set a date and make time, it's never going to happen. So it doesn't matter what your dream is, whether it is to set off on a sail on the yacht or if it's to take the motorbike or if it's to get published, someday is never. And I really find that to be so true. And, and I think, too, like when I think about these motorcycle trips that I've done, the fact I've had three accidents on three major motorcycle trips goes to show that, you know, like if I can do it, anyone can do it. I'm not a good rider. Patrick is an amazing rider. His entire family rides. They've been riding since they were like, he was 17. His dad every year does a motorcycle safety trip. They do a family trip based around this two or three days of training. They are excellent riders, but I am not. I am not. And we don't have a lot of money. I was just after finishing um, my grad studies when I did the Turkey trip. So it's not even like, you know, you need to have a lot of money to do these things. And it's the same with writing. You don't need, there's, there's a way you can do it that can be perfect. And I sometimes think that thinking being perfect is a way of protecting yourself from never having to do it. Whether it's be writing that book or it's taking that trip. It's okay, well, I need a bit more time. I need a bit more money. I need a bit more practice. I need to find out more about these countries. Just do it. And you know what? You'll improve along the way. And I think that's the problem with most people's dreams and doing these trips. It's not that it's so fantastic. I've done it. It's just the fact that I finally said, okay, enough is enough. I did it. There's nothing else special about it other than saying, there's my date. Now I have, I tell people about it. Same with the sailing trip. We told people April 1st, we have to do it now. <laughs> you're still here. Come March 31st. People look at you going, well, aren't you leaving yet? And you're like, mm, no, it's going to be another month, another three months, another four months. You kind of look stupid. So you tell people what you're going to do and you get it out. Yeah, and, and and that's one of the things, and one of the pieces of advice that has come to come through to me very, very strongly, is start before you're ready. Yes, yes, absolutely, and I think this is huge because, yeah, even with these books, I actually started publishing them on our, I think it was our third big trip. So we did two big trips. I mean, big trips for most people, but for us, they were tiny trips. So we did three months in Turkey and then six weeks in Iceland. And then we went on our year-round world trip where we did the same trip that Patrick had done for 18 months beforehand, which started in Germany, went through Mongolia, Russia, and then in Asia. And then in Asia, um, Patrick was, we were listening to a lot of podcasts, started listening to Joanna Penn, um, started reading blog, but people self-publishing. And Patrick was really pushing me. And he was like, you've had so many trips. You enjoy writing. I was writing for um, the independent.ca. It's a local newspaper online back home. And he's like, why not just write the book? Why not do it yourself? Why not get it out there? But I was really, even though I was the same thing, like I said, motorcycle ride does not terrify me. Putting my name in a book and putting it out there, that terrified me. You know, <laughs> like that was so scary for me. And he really pushed me. And finally I realized, okay, you know what? If you wait till you really are ready, it'll be the same thing as with the trips. You will never publish. You will never be ready. And 
So finally we stopped in Asia. It was somewhere in Thailand. And he said, okay, you know what? I have a month. I, he had to do some kind of program thing for work. He was like, you've got a month. Try it. Just bang out a draft and see what happens. And that's, it was terrifying. That scared me more than when I flew my bike off a cliff in Mongolia. You know, <laughs> As one does. Uh, the book that Sherry may be referring to could be called Buying and Riding a Motorcycle Through Asia. Yeah, actually, the first one we went put out was the motorcycle handbook. So that's barely really that's it was only about maybe 40 pages long. Um, the motorcycle handbook came out after I finished with Asia. But we actually put out this buying and riding a motorcycle handbook just to get myself the feet wet, basically 99 cents, 40, 50 pages long, just to see how we felt like a pack list and how to save money and the attitude you need to kind of go on the trip. And then once I did that, it was like, okay, that wasn't so scary. It's, (laughs) you know, people weren't waiting outside my door with, you know, clubs going, you stupid person for writing that. It was so bad. You know, no one broke my legs. I didn't die. Um, The reviews were really mixed. Some people loved it. Other people hated it. Um, It was interesting, though. The Harley riders hated it. And the um, being BMW riders really loved it. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if that has to do with our bikes or our attitudes. I have no idea. But it very much was how to do it on a shoestring. And the Harley riders did not like the book at all. <laughs> so that's technical motorbike speak for <laughs> this type of motorbike, I guess. Uh, not knowing anything <laughs> about motorbikes, but very, very interested in your writing journey because the things that you talk about are the things that we all feel. Oh, someone will laugh at us. Uh, the, the um, thought police are going to come around and arrest us, all those kinds of things. Now, I met Sherry in a writing course. Sherry mentioned very briefly Joanna Penn of the Creative Pen. Uh, Joanna, I heard tonight as I was driving home from school, she's up to about episode 280 or 90 of her podcast. I know she's had a million downloads uh, and she is the guru of gurus and she hates the word guru so she'll probably beat me up for using that word. (laughs) But everything that Sherry and I know between us and intend to learn for the next 100 years will come from Joanna. Now, what gets me about Joanna is, and this course that we're doing called um, Creative Freedom, is it's all about upscaling your business. So it's about... Not only just writing your book, but making a business out of it. And Sherry, you're very active in that group, or you were very active in that group. Would you like to talk us through a little bit about what you've learned by doing that course? Yes. Um, Actually, the reason why I'm not so active the last month or so is because I'm finally finishing my first novel. So I'm putting Joanna's words into practice and staying off Facebook until this first draft is completely done. So, but yeah, so basically what it is, is that um, I have, I think, five, six books out, maybe four books and two little handbooks, such as the riding in Southeast Asia and the motorcycle handbook, and then four books, three motorcycle books based on the trips, and then the mango book, which is we bought, we never bought mango, we got mango in Thailand. We brought him along on part of the motorcycle trip and then on the rest of the trip through North America. I think mango is a dog. He is. Mango is a dog, named because I got him in Thailand after mango sticky rice. So, but basically I was not committed to writing. It was still very much a hobby. If someone asked me um, what I did, I was like, oh, I do nothing, or I'm a student, or I teach English as a second language. I would say anything but writing, even though writing was what I wanted to do more than anything else, and how I was making my money up until that point. Um, While we were traveling and I started putting the books out, I was very active in promoting and writing, and the books weren't making a lot of money, but they're definitely making enough money I could live in Southeast Asia. And then um, once we came back to Germany, I was pregnant. And so that 
basically I finished a translation of Patrick's book, Fernway. And by then my baby was born, my daughter, and I really scaled back. And so it was about two and a half, three years where I had another baby and I was kind of writing on the side, but it was coming less and less. And the turkey book was next week, next week, next month, next year, who knows. And so finally I saw this on the creative pen that she was doing how to do writing as a business. And I said, you know what, I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to invest in myself and I'm actually going to do this course. Because I really find the same thing it was really like I said, it's hard to say writer, and it was also when I was home, I wasn't being serious about it. I was so my kids went to Kita, which is German daycare, and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to write, and then I'd open my laptop and I'd kind of look around and go, okay, how can I do anything but write right now? <laughs> I need to do wash, I need to do this, I need to do that. So I decided, okay, no, this is I need to do this course. And what I really liked about even before she wrote the book, like Joanna just put out that mindset book, but the course also, in addition to having the business side and the tools you need, she also talked a lot about the mindset you need as a writer, as a business person, and to kind of put both hats on or, you know, change your hats. And that really, for me, drove it home. If I wanted to do this, I had to do this. I can't, Sorry, I just knocked my, my laptop with my knee. Um, sorry, listeners. Um, yes, but if I wanted to do this, I had to be serious. I, again, it was like the trips. I had to say, okay, I had put deadlines up. And it's okay if I was, okay, a week or two, or even a month out from my deadline. But I couldn't just say, okay, I'm going to write a book and then not actually write it. And I think that's what so many writers do. You know, we're like, <laughs> I, I don't want to say I'm a writer because I might be putting myself up with these people who are so big and so huge. I mean, I love Neil Gaiman. And to say that I'm a writer is like, I can't compare myself to Neil Gaiman. It's just not possible. But it's not. I don't have to be Neil Gaiman to be a writer. I can be me as a writer. And it, that's fine. But if I want to be a writer, it doesn't matter if I'm Neil Gaiman or Jashiri or nobody, you will stay nobody if you don't put the words out. And that's one thing I found with the course, that she really helped me realize, okay, some deadlines, treat it as a business. If someone calls you and say, let's go for coffee, well, if I was at work, I wouldn't go for coffee with you at three o'clock in the afternoon. So no, I need to get this work done. I need to get these words done. And I think it's something that most entrepreneurs find is that time management is not easy. And that's one thing I liked about her course was actually thinking about it as time management writing as a business and not just as a hobby player. Yeah, and if anyone's wondering why the sound may or may not be going a little wonky, despite all my other podcasts having sound issues, as Sherry's talking here, and I've, I've just got to put this one up on YouTube, Sherry has not sat still <laughs> from the moment she started talking. Her hands are waving. She's vivacious. She is having the time of her life. And I should imagine, I can just see you flying around the world on the back of a motorbike. Um, probably not a good radio interviewee, but fantastic. Fantastic visually. Um, this woman okay, is made for television. <laughs> and the other thing, and that brings us in because Sherry's touched on so many things I want to talk about uh, tonight or today, whenever anyone's listening to it. She's made this wonderful little video series on her website, and I'm I'm curious about making video series because I'm looking at doing that myself for a course that I'm doing. And it's called the Seven Day Creativity Jumpstart, and the cover of the little book is beautiful. I think I'll put that up as um, somewhere on our website as well, or on our Facebook, or somewhere. Um, but Sherry, tell us about these seven day videos that you've created. They're beautiful. Oh, thank you. Well, actually, they were very painful, in complete honesty. Um, but basically, um, in addition, so I've, I've decided after the motorcycle books that even though there's still at least one more book in it, and now we're about to go sailing, um, 
it's not what I want to write about at the moment. I want to write novels, but I also feel really, really want to write more workbooks on getting more people creative. So it's kind of like my pleasure project at the moment is writing these workbooks of how to be creative and let yourself go. And then my actual work work is the novel business. Um, so that's kind of how I'm balancing. And the seven day um, creativity jumpstart was just that, that I found that even with writing and whatnot, you often find a lot of creative prompts on how to write, but I think that it's actually much deeper. The problem is not that I don't have writer's block, or if you do have writer's block, it's just an excuse for something else, and you need to go a little bit deeper and find out what is really driving that. And so that's one thing I decided to do with the Creativity Jumpstart, is a series of questions of what's really blocking you. So you say you don't have time. Well, J.K. Rowling also didn't have time, and she managed to do it. So, you know, like... You do have time. I'm not saying you're not busy, but there's probably something else that's blocking you. You know, <laughs> like it's probably fear. It's probably my Facebook friends will see me and see the one star review and be like, ha ha ha, my bully from grade 10 is just coming back at 55 to be like, ha, you still suck. You know, like that's really the fear. It's not time, it's you're terrified. So, and I've realized though, too, that with videos, I was terrified too. Like when it came to, putting my money where my mouth was, okay, I could write. And I was starting to be comfortable with writing. But now all of a sudden when it came to videos, I was like, oh God, no, I could never do that. So I said, actually, no, you need to put your money where your mouth is. And so we will go along with this little workbook. I did a series of seven day videos. And as you can see, also some of them were done in Canada and the babies in the background. And you're like, but no, it's done is better than perfect. It's your first thing out, you know? I mean, that's, and that's your thing. The amount of people are probably going to see your first stuff is so small, it doesn't even matter. What's important is that it's out, you learn, you grow, and then by the time you have actually enough people that go back and find this stuff, they're like, oh wow, she's really changed. They're not looking at you and going, ha ha. And truthfully, if they are, they have bigger problems. I, I think that's important to remember is that if someone's really looking at that going, ha ha, loser, they haven't left grade 12. You know, they're still stuck and you don't want to deal with them anyway. Most people are going either, wow, that's not as bad as she thought it was, or wow, look at how much she's improved with practice. I should practice too and I will also get better. So that's what this series of videos was. It was a little bit for me myself to kind of get used to making videos because I would also like to do some videos and also to kind of put my money where my mouth was and just do it, start practicing, reach out a different zone of creativity that scared me and it terrified me, trust me. It was so scary to hit publish on that. You know, as soon as I get off this podcast, I'm going to go and watch those videos now. You've got me intrigued. I have never seen a, <laughs> I've never seen a woman with so much energy. I had another lady on the podcast, uh, Joanne Dannon, and she was vivacious and enthusiastic and entrepreneurial, and she is going to go on and be successful, and I'm going to say the same thing about you. People with your energy level and your enthusiasm and your projects, um, you can't be anything but the most successful you can be because you're out there and you're pushing every I guess every button you you will get there and I think people will go back and I live with a German that helps (laughs) oh you have to explain that I don't know about I can explain a lot (laughs) (laughs) I can't keep my mouth shut so when I say something he's like okay you're doing it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so the two children how old are they they are now three and a half and one and a half Okay, so they're not really up in the talk zone yet, are they? No. 
<laughs> All right. So another thing, um, I'm flicking through your uh, blogs here and I'm getting more and more distracted because there's more and more interesting things that are coming up on them. I notice you use smash words for some of your publications. Yes. Yes, but I am, after doing Joanna's course, I've ridged into Kobo Direct, and now I'm starting into Draft and Digital as well. Yeah. Again, these were things that I did not even really think about, because I thought, okay, Amazon Smashwords, I got myself covered. And then doing her course, I was like, okay, even listening to the podcast, you know, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, well, maybe, maybe, maybe. And then, like I said, I did the course, I'm like, okay, no, it's not a maybe. <laughs> like, if you're serious about this. You need to expand. Yeah. And one of the things that's coming through very clearly uh, with you, Sherry, is being serious, taking it as a business and throwing everything at it, although God knows what that's going to look like with you if you throw everything at it. <laughs> I'm just going to stand back and watch. Um, but, yeah, just to just to let everybody know, and it's a little bit of a bit of excitement for Sherry and I. I'm having um, Kevin Tumlinson back. He was on my podcast a few weeks ago. He's off travelling around in his RV, so there's lots of adventurers out there. But he's also, I think it's the marketing director for draft to digital and he's going to come back on the podcast and talk us through that process, hopefully, because I'm looking at moving to draft and digital as well for some of my books. Um, so we need to know firsthand how to do that. So we'll get Kevin back on and we'll get him to help us so we know what to do. Um, now, Sherry, let's keep moving along this most amazing list. Uh, she does have, or sorry, you do have a podcast, is it? No, it's not a podcast. It's a blog called Unleash Your Adventures, Inspiring Travel Tales, just a spare time hobby, is it? Yeah, well, this basically then is more of for family as well to keep everything up, as well as a bit of then a blog. It's not my writer's blog. It also has things on it like, yeah, what we did last weekend, sailing. But we try to keep it strictly to the motorcycle and the sailing adventures. I actually need to put up for the last two weeks, we just went to Rugen and Bonholm and did our first overnight sail. So that will go up there type thing. Okay. Now I'm trying very hard not to talk about sailing just yet um, because once I do that, all writing will go out the window. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I can't help myself. I'm just – I'm just – we should just turn off and sit down here with a cup of coffee and talk all night. Okay, your Chasing Summer blog. What's that one about? Ah, the Chasing Summer was the article uh, series I was mentioning that I did for the independent.ca. So basically that's um, a local magazine, not the independent, but um, basically Newfoundland only joined Canada back in 49. So we often talk about still being a republic of Newfoundland and independence. And so this is a local Newfoundland um, online newspaper. And I actually know one of the editors. So when he heard I was going on the trip, the world trip, and would be a full year on the road, he asked me if I'd be willing to do a monthly article. And the point is that it was chasing summer. So we started in the summer and we never actually went into winter. We went from Germany to Russia, Mongolia. And then when summer started to end, that's when we went to Thailand, Malaysia, Vietnam, Cambodia. And when that started to end, then we went back to Canada and spring was just starting in Canada. We bought a van in BC and then we did down to Texas and up to Newfoundland U. So we were chasing summer for a year. We never had to have winter. It was nice. Now, one would assume that having two children would slow this pair down, but obviously not. They're just going to take their home with them in their, in their exactly. yacht. <laughs> just go. <laughs> now, one of the things that Sherry and I were talking about, or Sherry mentioned in one of her emails, is how is she going to ride on the yacht? And she was looking at dragon dictation. Yes. Because this was one thing also, again, in terms of, you know, financial abilities and everything else. Um, our boat was a fantastic buy, but um, one of the things is it didn't come with a nice big table. 
So we've got a place for the kids to sleep, a place for us to sleep. We have a tiny uh, saloon, living room type space for the boat. And we have like a nav station across from the kitchen. But there's no actual nice, proper, sit-down, comfortable writing space. And so the last two weeks we were sailing. And that was also my test to see how writing went. Because last year we did two months. But I had an infant. He was three months old. So I was like, okay, not going to happen. But he's a year and a half now, so we could try the writing period. And it wasn't working. It was really cramped. And so and so I decided I've heard so much about Dragon that I think in order to continue to write on this journey, I'm going to have to, at least my daily practice. You can always go to a cafe or something. But again, to be serious, it has to be a daily practice or at least a weekly, Monday through Friday. Um, then, yeah, I think I need to do the Dragon Dictate in order to keep my neck my shoulders just keep from cramping up and also keep wanting to do it because if it's something that's going to be painful not just emotionally but also physically you're definitely not going to do it so i i haven't tried it yet i don't know if you use it or not but i've heard many good things about it so i thought maybe it's a good way to kind of be able to stand up on the boat and still be able to write yeah i we have a bit of a problem here in australia in that the professional package whatever the new butte one we can't get it here in australia yet uh, oh, so we're sweet. still waiting. Um, so we're all, we're sort of out here in the boondocks. We don't have all those wonderful countries to to just pop around. <laughs> but I never think of Australia like that. You know, like, I always think it's like Canada but sunnier. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is in Brisbane. We don't have we don't have many rockies and snow. We don't have any bears or well, not deadly <laughs> ones. Right. You have spiders or something, don't you? <laughs> oh, we we have our own version of um, deadly animals. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell me about your fiction. So this is brand new. I've just started. Um, I've got the short story kind of lead-in just finished, but I'll release both the short story and the first one at the same time. Probably in two to three weeks should be ready. But my fiction is completely different from my, um, obviously, personal motorcycle memorable travel. And I'm actually writing about um, historical fiction for samurais. But, yeah, exactly. Samurai historical fiction. I, I can't help it. I love Japan. I lived there for a year. And I really love samurais. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going back to Japan anytime soon. And I really, really, really want to. So instead, I'm going back in my head, writing, going through the pictures, going through the music. Sometimes going out to eat, not as often as I would like, but trying to recreate it. And it's actually really a lot of fun, I have to admit. it's At first, it was very painful. This is something that's actually been rattling around in my brain since Thailand. So this is now four and a half years that this project of... Because it's not completely historical fiction. There's also a lot of supernatural, incorporating Japanese folklore into it. But it's been in my mind now for almost four years. And I finally sat down to write it. And again, I was so scared to write it. It was so terrifying. And now that I'm actually in the middle, almost finished, it's fun. It's fantastic. But starting was so hard, like almost impossible hard. Yeah, making making stuff up. Now, you mentioned some amazing research there that I started to write it down, but you, you spoke so quickly. You mentioned the oh, folklore. Sorry. No, I'm just amazed. So you can't just sit down and write fiction, unless it's contemporary romance, and apologise to us contemporary romance writers. You can't sit down and do something with that much depth overnight. So obviously this project is taking you a while, but you're putting it out in two weeks. Well, I'm not putting it out in two weeks. I'm hoping to have it finished within the next two weeks. That's why I'm no longer on the um, 
group as often as I was. So basically, when I first started this project was almost four and a half years ago. And the research, I also, my background um, academically is actually I have a master's in history. So the research, I'm a research geek. I love it. And that's also sometimes a problem, I think, for a lot of historical fiction writers. If you're researching, I'm doing the work. Yang, you know, <laughs> I love that word in German. Yes, but no, uh, you know, and it's true. You know, you kind of think there, there's so much research you need to do, but there's also so much research that you begin to use as procrastinating. And so, I've actually been reading about samurais and Japanese fiction and uh, folklore, sorry, and thinking how I'd incorporate it into this fiction. And I've got notes and books and galore for about three and a half, four years. And then finally, like I said, after joining Joanna's course last year, I realized, okay, I need to start making dates. And then, um, so the, it's all there. I just need to put it out. And then, um, I actually met Jules Horn, who's also a great writer and also on, um, the creative freedom group. And she was looking for an accountability partner. And I said, you know what? I'm up for it. And it was actually one other woman who was also interested, but then when she realized we're talking like daily and also weekly and doing this 21 week year, I can't remember what's 21 or 22 weeks, but either way, we're talking about like in four months doing what most people do in one year. She was like, okay, maybe not. <laughs> but me and Jules have been doing it. And I have to say, I've missed a lot of my deadlines. I wanted this fiction book to be finished for the last 21 week year. So she'd been done about two months ago. But the fact is that even though I, I quote unquote, missed the deadline, the book's almost finished. So in six months of actually saying I want to write it and will write it and having accountability and putting deadlines and writing every day, I've done more than in four years of reading and talking about it. So so everybody, yeah. I couldn't even write that down, but I will get it transcribed and I will put it up there for us. Sherry has just summed up everything that is important about being serious about your writing life, uh, you must set goals. You must have yeah. um, daily, daily, whether it be word counts, whether it be something. Um, I'm using John Lee Dermis's The Freedom Journal, I think I mentioned last week. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, it would be, except, um, as I said, I'm up to about week six or seven of this podcast now, and I think I've filled in, I've filled in five days now. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> my intentions are good and I know it's there and it reminds me, do something every day. That's my little motto. My little motto is do something every day. Uh, but I'm amazed you have two young children, one and three. You've got your nonfiction stuff out. You've made your videos. And the, all the while you've been researching this novel that I'm actually really excited about because it sounds fantastic. Um Wonderful. Yeah, so yeah, just let me let me know when it's out and we'll come back on and we'll do a little promo. Um, what, what's your word length? Well, as of right now, it is 60,000, but there's some gaps. So I'm guessing by the end, it'll be between 75 and 80. Yeah. And that, but there'll and, be three books. Yeah, and that's a there'll good length novel. Are you going to do three 80,000 word books? Yes, yeah. All before you go away next April? No, 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 no. This, uh, this, this will not be happening. Um, I'm hoping to have the second book drafted before we go away. Um, that's my goal. Second book drafted. We'll see what happens. But I actually listened to, I shared this also on the creative, an interesting podcast by, I think it's a Rocking Self Publishing podcast. Oh, yes. And Excellent. I'm, Excellent. I went and listened to it after you spoke. Yes. Yeah. And he, I kind of, I'm trying to also take a little bit what this guest said. I cannot remember the exact, but maybe you can put it in the show notes or whatever. But he wrote that basically he let the audience decide if it was good or not. So we kind of let go a little bit of quote unquote 
quality. Um, try to really just get it out there, fix it up so it was really good enough and put it out and said, okay, do people like it or not? And then people who were like, it's it's really good story, but I don't like the editing. Okay, well, next time I'll work more on the editing. And then he went from like zero books in November to something like 100,000 within eight months, something insane. But he, again, I don't think, I don't know, not promote, say do not write quality books. But I think, again, part of the problem is being so hung up on being perfect. And that's one thing that I also started doing with this book now is I finally going, you know what, just, just tell the story. You can go back and edit it afterwards, but stop being so hung up on getting a perfect story out the first time, let alone the 10th time. And because there'll never be a perfect story, you can always go back and improve. You can always go back and put a bit more foreshadowing in or something extra there or some little treats to the reader. But in the end, they'll never read it if you don't get it out. And so this is also what I've kind of been using from this podcast every now and then I go back and remember what he said, which was, okay, make sure it's good enough, but don't waste three or four months making it, quote unquote, as perfect as it can be when in the end... Maybe you put it out there. No one even wants to read samurai fiction. (laughs) And it doesn't matter how good or bad it is. If no one wants to read it, they're not going to buy it. So you might as well then put the project out. And if people, there's some kind of traction, then I'll continue with the second book. If there's absolutely no traction, then I'll be like, okay, I need to write something else. And maybe I'll keep the samurai in my head for my stories at bedtime type thing. But I'm not... Sorry, I was going to say, also thinking about it in terms of a business, I've decided that I'm not going to cling to things. I mean, my um, my workbooks for creativity, I really enjoy those. Those are so much fun. And they're almost like pet projects. If they make money or not, I don't care. These are strictly for me. But the fiction, I enjoy writing fiction, but they also need to make money. And if they don't make money, then I'll just have to abandon that and go to something else. Yeah, and it's that making money. I know we get... Um, as indie publishers, we see a lot of how um, indie businesses divvy up their their profits nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. People tend not to, and I'm thinking specifically of Joanna Penn, I'm thinking of John Lee Dermis comes out and says it a bit, uh, Mark Dawson, I guess, um, on the self-publishing podcast comes out and they declare their incomes. So we can see that income doesn't come from any one source. It can come from your books and then that breaks mm-hmm. down whether you go with Amazon, Kobo, iBooks, and people are starting to. I think they the expression is go wide rather than just focus on Amazon, KDP, or any of those kinds of things. But to to cover your bets when one thing goes bung, you can go somewhere else. Uh, and the other thing is having your nonfiction books, having your videos, having having different avenues of money is something that has been really stressed to us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also huge. And also, like I said, well, I want to do the videos and whatnot, because I mean, it was quite, like I said, nervous about it. But I was like, okay, well, you know, this could be another option. You get used to doing videos, maybe you could do courses. And you can make extra money from the courses. I mean, I think Mark Dawson makes most of his money from the courses at the moment, or at least it's 50-50. I mean, he's, he has a really good course. But you know, it's, it really has to be, you can't just put yourself on one book. And I I'll sometimes see this too, within all the writers I know, they release one book, and then they go, okay, I'm going to sit back and wait for the money to come in. (laughs) Only if you are super lucky, but we're talking about lottery ticket lucky. Like if that's your plan, it could work. I'm not saying it won't work, but I'm saying you might as well go buy a lottery ticket because that could work too, you know, but it's, you know, technically someone's got to win it and you might be the lucky lottery book winner, but chances are you need to put more out and more out and more out. And so, yeah, but at the same time, it's one thing to say, okay, I put the samurai fiction book out and say a bunch of people buy it or not. But based on those numbers, I'll know if it's worth continuing with that particular 
book or not. Because if people want to read samurai fiction, they're looking for it. And it might be a new book and they might be like 50-50, I don't know. But somebody should be buying it. It doesn't matter unless it's a totally crappy cover. And even then, people who really want to read it will buy it. I mean, if you want to read a book, you're kind of like, oh, there's not enough of it. I'll buy it anyway. Romance is a little bit different just because there's so much romance out there. But then at the same time, a lot of romance readers are like, I need it. I need a new book. So I'll try it anyway. It doesn't matter. Like, it really is a case of if there's an interest. Now, if it's a bad book, you're going to get the bad stars. And people, it's going to drop off. They're not going to buy it because it was a bad book. But if no one buys it from the very beginning, unless you're in a really saturated market, and samurai fiction is not, um, then it's because no one wants to read it, in which case then I need to kind of like step away and be like, okay, you're interested in this, but nobody else is. So I think that's also as a business, you kind of weigh that a little bit and go with, okay, is no one buying this because no one's ever going to buy it, no matter how good it is? Or is no one buying it because I didn't promote it enough and no one even knows it's out there? And so it's kind of, yeah, this is also part of the reason why other streams of income come into this because you're like, okay, how can I also then, I can't wait for one book to pay for my rent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and one, of the, one of the things that um, is coming across very clearly in a lot of the podcasts I listen to nowadays, I don't have time to sit down and read a book, so podcasts have come in very handy for me because I can just do it on the way to somewhere else, uh, mm-hmm. which is very, very handy. One of the things, a lot of our, I guess, more successful indie authors, they're looking at what, not what will sell, but whether there's an interest in an idea they're, um, you know, trying out the waters, I guess, um, before they commit to a huge project. So it's not, it's not that they're saying I'm writing to market and I'm trying to be commercially successful, but they're not writing blind. They're doing their research and they're, they're finding out what their audiences want. And at first when I heard that, I was a little bit horrified. I thought I was a literary writer. I don't appreciate that very much. But it's starting to make more and more sense to me. And the way you just described it then, you obviously have a passion. You're, you're fantastic at your research, but you're smart enough to stand back and say, well, yes, a three-book series, we all write in series nowadays because that's what mm-hmm. we, that's what sells our readers want. Three books, they want a series, you know, maybe make the first one free, whatever, however, have the other two come out. You can box set them. There's lots and lots of um, different mm-hmm. opportunities. Um, but you have to get in there and you have to write. You have to write regularly and you have to make sure your reader wants what you're selling. And, and this is just it. I mean, and there is really, I mean, pretty much whatever you write, there's some kind of interest in it. I mean, for sure. But is there enough interest to sustain the writing process. And that I, I felt very much the same way. I mean, even actually this whole business idea for me, when I first started writing, I mean, I've been writing since I was maybe eight or nine, really young. Like I wrote my first book in grade five and then I ripped it up because people were talking about me writing a book. I'm like, Oh, such a temperamental writer right from the beginning. You know, <laughs> like, what do you mean? I'm writing blah. But the point being was I also had this very much in my head that if I was not struck by the muse, then I did not write. You know, this was, that's what creatives did. They wanted to write. They, they waited until that mood settled them and they sit down and then they type. And yeah, I guess. So if you're a hobby writer, that's exactly what you can do. Or if you did manage to bang out one giant bestseller that you're living off the royalties, then technically you can wait a while and maybe it does come or doesn't come. But when it comes to writing and making a business, if you really want to make a business, 
passion is very important, but you also need to have a certain amount of reality. Your feet should be on the ground, even if your head is being stretched way, way, way up in the sky. That's okay, but at least a toe needs to be on the ground. <laughs> and that's how I felt about this too, and even with the chorus, it really helped me knock out some, I think, really toxic ideas about what a creative writer is. And a creative writer only writes their passion project and only writes when the feeling comes. And this is one thing I also try to say in the creativity jumpstart. That's fine if that's what you want, but you have to accept you're a hobby writer. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's really nothing wrong with only writing, writing sorry, when the mood strikes and only writing what you want and having a passion project, but then don't expect to make money from it. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't expect to make money. Yeah, and one of, one of the things that I think both Sherry and I have in common is we're treating our um, writing as a business and we absolutely, mm-hmm. we're absolutely determined that we will make money and we will make a lifestyle and we will leave a legacy, I guess, for others. Um, there are hobby writers out there and, you know, my job is to encourage everybody to tell their story and tell it in the way that they want to tell it. But this podcast is definitely gone right down the track of making a business, being very, very serious about it, and no mucking around. And as I'm talking to Sherry here, and even as I'm rudely looking at my mobile phone to look up a book, I can see Sherry's arms waving, and I can see her (laughs) nodding her head, and I can see her enthusiasm. And I thought, we've been going now for 45 minutes, and she's as keen now as she was 45 minutes ago. I love this child. I think it's great. Um, I'm looking for Steve Pressfield's book. Um, have you... Oh, the Art of War. The, the I knew it was. I can't remember. No, it was the okay. Art of War, and I was just checking that I had the title right, and I should have trusted myself because I'm always brilliant. Um, yeah, the Art of War <laughs> goes very much into that. If you're a professional writer, just stop mucking around and stop making excuses and saying, "Oh, I can't be bothered today, or I'm too tired, or whatever." Treat it like a job. Get out there and do it. And Sherry, you've obviously had a lot of success from that approach in this last year, in particular. Well, again, this also helps having a German partner, but also um, I sent my baby to Kita at one year. So in Germany, it's perfectly okay that the government subsidizes it after one year. You get one year of paid maternity leave here, and then Kita places open up from one year and above. And so this was part of also what I told myself was that, okay, put him in Kita. There's nothing wrong with him being Kita, but then you'll need to write. And so there's also a little bit of guilt. So I have Patrick kind of going in one hand, write, write, have you written today? You know, <laughs> you want to, you say you want to write while we're sailing. I don't see you writing at home. Yeah, you write. Okay. And the other part is too, okay, you've got your baby in childcare just so that you can write and yeah, get to it. So there's definitely a little bit of guilt there as well that, okay, if I send him to Kita, I better be using this time to write, to promote, to research, but to actually move this business forward. Yeah. And how do you feel about like you surround yourself and we can do this very easily now. I'm putting my hands up in the air now. What am I doing? (laughs) 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 Um, Surrounding yourself with other people who take their writing seriously and we can do it so easily now in our course um i tap in there and i lurk a lot more than i actually comment i guess um but i take great motivation when i see other people's 90-day goals i go and crawl under the table and don't come out till i've got my 90-day goals (laughs) um yeah and i'm just looking on your website again and it's got um facing the fear of creating how to build your creative confidence with david kelly on ted talk so you obviously surround yourself yep Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, I love that talk. There's also on my About Me a Neil Gaiman talk where he talks about just make good art and it's also fantastic. And I, I have the book. I've those... got the book. I've got the book. It's a beautiful book. It's well set out. It's designed. I love it. Just love it. 
you know, like, exactly. It's just, ah, so fantastic. You know? I'll be standing in front of my students tomorrow and I'll be waving my arms around. I say, what are you doing, miss? <laughs> well, you know, my students, I mean, I'm not teaching anyone writing full time, but when I was teaching, I was teaching mostly businessmen, um, mostly bankers. So it was mostly men. There was a few women, but, you know, it was mostly these banking executives. And they're sitting back looking at me going, well, at least it's entertaining for an hour. You know? I don't know how much English I learned, but I was entertained. You know? So strict and really German, and I'm in there, ah, blah, blah, blah. guys, talk to me. But you know what? They did eventually talk. Even the ones who did not want to talk, when you do this, they will eventually talk to you. Yeah. It's okay. And I think it's that smile. You can't not have a good time when you're around Sherry, obviously. I think um, they just have a great time. You're going to make a great sailor, by the way. I'm looking at pictures of Sherry's yacht, and I'm still not going there because I've got a couple more questions. Um, great yacht beautiful beautiful water i'm jealous uh one of the things you've got here and i've gotten is where this came from the life-changing magic of tidying up the japanese art of decluttering and organizing i'm looking at a very neat house in the background here you would never see this at my place um when you oh you only see the top you don't see the bottom (laughs) (laughs) this is where the three-year-old can't reach (laughs) um that's going to come in very handy for you on a yacht because you can't take much Yes. Yes. I mean, motorcycling also helped there because you can take even less on a motorcycle. I mean, we lived a year off the back of a bike or actually nine months and then four months in the, in a van. But, um, yeah, no, I, that actual book, I read that and I fell in love with it and I had to write a review. I don't often write reviews, even on Goodreads. I often just put my stars up and move on. Um, but this book, I was really just, oh my God, it's so true. And what really spoke to me about this was the guilt because I, I was raised Roman Catholic in Newfoundland. I have so much guilt. And often when people give me a present, I'm like, okay, it doesn't matter. I've got this present for the next 40 years. You know, like it's, it's in a box. It might be hidden, but I'm like, I can't throw that out. Someone gave it to me. It was a present. And and this is one thing she really said about your stuff, whether it's a present or also like I bought this sweater and I loved it when I bought it. it was before I went to Japan, I bought this Newfoundland puffin sweater. It was hideous but i loved it at the time and it was handmade by this old granny in this outport in newfoundland it cost me like 200 bucks but even when i decided not to use it anymore i'm like well, i paid 200 bucks for that i'm not getting rid of that sweater i don't care if i think it's ugly now like 22 i thought it was cool um 37 not so much and then i read this book and it really was you know what just thank it for the joy it sparked you know when you bought the sweater you loved it it served its purpose move on or the present you know the purpose of the present was to make you happy and to make the person who gave it to you happy it served its purpose someone thought of you you thought of them you don't have to keep it anymore just let it go move on and that was such a phenomenal idea to me that never crossed my mind it really was just a pack rat mentality of well i'll just put it here by my, my parents place you know they've still got a room from my stuff you know so but not the story that, not the story she wrote when she was 10 because she tore that up i, I tore that up <laughs> exactly like i wish i had that that's the kind of thing i'm angry about that's i should have kept but the other one yeah, um, now you said, you're saying newfoundland is that annie prowse's shipping news um newfoundland or? yes 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 i've never eaten seal flipper pie but that's something else <laughs> Uh, Annie Prowse, my favourite writer in the whole wide world, and I bought her latest doorstopper of a thing. And once upon a time, I would have just sat down and read it from beginning to end. I bought it. I love the cover, and it's got something to do with timber, and my current novel is Timber Cutter's Daughter, and I thought, oh, I have to read that. Um, 
I haven't even thought of it until you just mentioned it then. What has happened to our lives? Family, children, all these other things. How many hours a day do you spend at your desk? Ooh, a lot. I would say about five to six. It's actually something that I'm now trying to consciously, every 25 minutes or 30 minutes, get up, stretch, move. Because I really find I'm... I'm starting to become this hunchback. Another reason, actually, why I think Dragon Dictate would be such a bad idea. But it's it's always, I'm attached to this thing until my kids come home. And then um, it doesn't even occur to me anymore. But you can't. They, they won't let you. <laughs> they won't let you until you're about 18. Until they're 18. Exactly. And then they want their own and they don't want you to talk to them anymore. <laughs> how do you do that? Like, how do you go from wanting me 100% to not wanting me at all? <laughs> like, can we have something in between, please? <laughs> yeah, we, we need a balance. So there's a work-life balance happening here. All right, so you've got the positive attitude. You, you've done a lot of reading. You've done some courses. Now, you've, we've talked about the Creative um, Freedom course. I know you said you'd paid for another course. Was it was it? Yeah, two of the courses, actually. I've done... I'm halfway through Mark Dawson's course, and then I realized I really because when I first started, I thought I maybe I would continue on with this adventure because um, we had the sailing trip coming up. I knew we had the sailing trip coming up, and I thought, okay, just continue in this line. And I think I probably will write about the sailing trips, but I don't think I will make that as a business model. That will be again kind of like my workbooks, pleasure writing that will eventually be sold, but it's not going to be my focus and so that's why I paid for Mark Darson's course because I had five books but then once I actually started the course I realized no this is really for somebody who has ready to go hit the ground running you've got the books you need to promote them and so I will definitely be using what he says for the samurai fiction books for not for podcasting for um promotional purposes but that's now on pause because it really I thought it would fit but it doesn't fit what I need right now it's a great course but you really need to kind of go with you've got the books You've got the mailing list. You're ready to start. And the other course I did, though, that I thought was really quite great. And um, if you like the back of the Keep the Shiny Side Up, then the course worked. And that was, um, I cannot remember Brian's last name. Brian, somebody selling for authors. Clark? Not wrong. Maybe Clark or Clarkson or Clayson. I cannot is remember. It the famous the Brian, is it the famous guy? If it's the famous guy, it's Brian Clark. Um, he's. I don't think he's super famous. Okay, um, scrapping. He <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of like... I think he's just popping up on the radar now type thing. I had never heard of him before, but I can't remember if he did a joint thing with Joanna. No, actually it was KM Wayland. He did one with her and that's, mm-hmm. and he was selling for authors. Basically it's copywriting for authors, but like he said, no one's going to buy copywriting yeah. for authors. I think so it is. Brian, I think it is Brian Clark and he has had some copywriting stuff out and it's for blue. Okay. Then maybe it is Brian stuff. Clark. Then, yep. I only heard of him the last couple of months. Yep, no. um, so, Anyway, his, his course is actually quite good. Um, I also like his group, but I'm not nearly as active there as I am with um, Joanna's group because I really, really like that group. I don't know what it is about the um, Creative Freedom book group, but they really are positive and supportive and, yeah, it's a really good energy in there. And I think really business-orientated. And I think um, the Selling for Authors are moving in that direction. Yeah. But a lot of them are first-time authors who are still kind of clinging onto both of being a creative writer but also selling what they have and um, they're in the process. But some people are actually quite far advanced. But Yeah, and I think that's what's um, engaged me with the um, 
creative freedom is that business model and it's got me into all sorts of trouble it's landed me a podcast um that has taken (laughs) over my world and someone went onto my web some fantastic people coming up well i have and it's all very exciting but um if we mention the money you go oh no there's no money in it but you know what I, i love it i just get to talk to everybody we get to have all this fun uh and someone said oh but i went on your website and there's nowhere to open my wallet and i said well We'll get there, you know. We'll worry about yeah. that later. <laughs> uh, you know, you only live once. I mean, you're yeah. picking up a lot of readers as well, a lot of listeners. And I think, I mean, Joanna Penn as well, she almost quit the podcast because there's no direct no. financial. I think now it is, though, she's got Patreon happening. But at first it was no direct. But actually, I mean, she's getting a lot of really good standing and street cred, for lack of a better word at the moment, yeah. from this podcast. It's um, community. It's all about community. Exactly. I've linked into the most amazing community. I mean, I don't know if you'd ever believe this, but I'm speaking to this woman who has just done the most wonderful adventures on the other side of the world from Germany who's ridden a motorbike through Romania and all through those places and Turkey. I would never have gotten to speak to that woman had I not had a podcast. I'll have to go back through then because I've listened to the first couple and I listened to the last week's with the romance writer. I cannot remember her name, but she was cool. I was like, yes, she's not stuck up. Yay. Because you saw all these awards she had and you were talking about like going up and knocking on her door for coffee, but then being like, wait, she's actually quite a big name. I don't know if I can do this, but she was lovely. She was really down to earth. And Amy Andrews, be- Amy Andrews, um, okay. romance writer, million books sold, 50 novels. You know, she's a bit of, bit of a show off, but she does drink. And she has um, offered to have a glass of wine with me. They're all over at a a Romance Writers of Australia conference this week. So I've got no one else to play with, so I had to go to Germany. (laughs) Um, All right, now I'm going to let you go because I have been keeping you for an hour now. So I just want to end off with, yes, the yacht is absolutely beautiful. And when we get closer to you going on that, would you come back and share um, with us that adventure? I can even let you know a little bit afterwards how Dragon Dictate works out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more interested in how are you going to keep those kids on the boat. I hope you've got the netting ready. Well, we had to get the netting up. That's one thing, definitely, because um, our daughter's not so bad. She's actually quite good. Our son is fearless and... Uh, uh, I had a cat like that and I used to dog. find him. This yeah. time around was... I mean... <laughs> The dog, too. The son and the dog chase Patrick from one end of the boat to the next. doesn't matter if it's inside or outside. And it's, okay, Mango almost went over this time. He has his life vest, but still, you don't want to circle around and bring back the dogs. So, Just you know, always have a the fender. The netting is going on. Yeah, always have a fender over the side. We Our cat used to fall off on a regular basis, and she'd always be um, climbed back up on the fender, and she'd be back on deck shaking herself out. And that's how we knew that she'd been overboard. So, yeah, fender, fender <laughs> over the black. back. Probably works. Back, so it's okay. Yeah, it probably works for kids as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I had two. I'm not quite sure where they floated to. Um, yeah, look, I have had an absolute ball talking to you tonight. Um, you've given I us believe- so much to think about when it comes to the business of writing. Um I'm guessing you and I are both a little bit exhausted now. We've sort of, you know, lost a little bit of energy. I've got my guest sitting here, everybody, and she's still. And, <laughs> and she's looking like she could go off and have a here. Coffee. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to do an afternoon afternoon's writing now, are you? Yeah, exactly. Well, you, the writing will be a problem. Talk to me around 5 o'clock and have my kids for an hour. Then I'll be like, uh, you know. <laughs> That's right. when I join. 
<laughs> Look, it's been a pleasure. Remember, everyone, we'll put the show notes up so you can um, pick up on some of those amazing things that Sherry told us. It's Sherry McCarthy, uh, sherrymccarthy.com, the seven-day creativity jumpstart. I'm actually going to go and buy it now because in little words down the bottom, it's got Unleash Your Adventure, and I thought I'm always in there for adventure. So I'm going to go and do that. I'm going to watch your seven videos, um, and I'll have a bit of a chuckle with uh, the enthusiasm and the arm waving, but I can guarantee that I will learn something as well and that's what this podcast is all about i learn something every every week or i'm putting them out two and three times a week now because i've got a bit of a backlog because i've talked to many people um i can't help myself but it's fun uh and she also holds some of those back for when you have unexpected problems and then you can continue it well that's what my manager says which is my 16 year old daughter she says mummy can we please just have a couple you know in case something goes wrong i said oh there's plenty more people coming up there's we've got seven billion people in the world we'll find plenty of people to talk to <laughs> i think it more along the lines of you know you get sick oh you want to go on vacation <laughs> oh you're, you're a mother we're not allowed to get sick we've got to just keep soldiering on all right look beautiful to i talk like your attitude you. um <laughs> Um, you know, I, I adore speaking to someone with such enthusiasm, and we shall speak again soon. Uh, thank you. Great thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Now, if you'd like to subscribe to Rudder on the Road, everybody, you can sign up to our newsletter. iTunes is waiting there for your review. And this podcast will definitely be uploaded sooner rather than later because it's giving us so much to think about and ponder upon and that's what we're about. So it's good night from me and it's good day from Sherry and we'll talk again soon. Bye.